In this episode, we discuss A Little Bit of Heaven, the world's top colon cancer rom-com. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington. And hey guys, I'm Elliot Kalen, guys. <laughs> hey. It's a thing we're doing this time. Guys. Uh, all of us gals? together again, ready to take our listeners on an exciting voyage mm-hmm. through a the realm voyage. of cinema. Oh, ama- and what gem will we look at today? What brilliant, sparkling sapphire in the film firmament? Are we gazing upon this eve? Well, we will uh, examine the crowning jewel in Kate Hudson's oeuvre, A Little Bit of Heaven. So, if I may, I'm going to pull back the Flophouse curtain for our our readers at home. uh, And explain that when we sat down, you know, snacking on our snacks, drinking our drinks, mm -hmm. trying to pick a movie. Tomorrow's Yom Kippur, so I'm not eating. Yeah, of course. So, we were flipping through the channels... Trying, kept talking about movies we actually wanted to watch, movies we weren't allowed to watch. Dan, inexplicable. <laughs> any movie where Dan said, I've heard that might be a little good, we were not allowed to watch. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was like stacking the deck against us on this oh, one. Oh, that's for sure. And he wouldn't stop talking about Abduction starring Taylor Lautner. <laughs> because Dan has a thing for Taylor Lautner. I mean, it's cool. It'll not... be a good Flophouse movie. Uh, it's got Lautner. It's got a Taylor. It's got a thriller plot, a stupid thriller plot. It's got abduction, and it's got Taylor's abs. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I guess consider that a preview of a future episode. (laughs) I assume, since I don't think Dan's (laughs) abduction obsession is going away anytime soon. We went through all of the movies that were on demand from Time Warner Cable, and all of them seemed actually a little too good. To fall under our purview. Yeah, you're right. Solomon Kane seems too good. I was obsessed good. with Solomon Kane. Stuart wanted to watch Solomon Kane. I wanted to watch whatever. I don't care. Let's <laughs> just get on with it. Uh, but instead, we watched a little bit of Heaven. Okay. Best known as Kate Hudson Gets Ass Cancer. <laughs> that was the original working title, I think. It was called Untitled Kate Hudson Ass Cancer Project. She'd uh, been wanting to work ass with Ass Cancer, cancer for yeah, a long time. We're just looking for the right uh, vehicle. The right project for the two of them. Uh, Yeah, that's basically... Here's the thing about this movie. Usually we go through the plot of the movie. I think it might take about 45 seconds to go through the plot of this movie. I'll try to add as much incident as possible. Okay. Kate Hudson lives in New Orleans. Sure, the Uh, Big Easy. The Big Easy, Nolens, Mm -hmm. uh, Crisco Town, Mm -hmm. Betamax, (laughs) Rigel 4. The Big uh, Beignet. Yep, the tiny blues place (laughs) sleepy hollow and so she is she works at a fast-paced ad agency new orleans a town recently ravaged by john cena in the movie (laughs) 12 rounds (laughs) it has yet to recover from the damage done by john cena uh she works at an ad agency one of the famous new orleans ad agencies uh where we see how good she has her job by selling a condom company on the idea that women buy condoms Surely not. I mean, they don't have that penises. Seems... I don't know why. Oh, they would I'll contrary, my friend. You would think that they would have market research that would show them otherwise. Yes, you would think so, since women many buy condoms. But yeah. uh, no, they need Kate Hudson to open their eyes on that one. Sass talking, a little bit sexy, a little bit funny. 
just like Kate Hudson herself. <laughs> she is quirky. She's irreverent. Hey, she doesn't care if you're laughing or you're hating. But you know what, she's guys? She's just living. Approachable. That's what I like about her. Yeah, approachable, approachable and somewhat puffy-faced. Now, let's begin by saying... We'll, we'll talk about the puffy face later. Everyone in this movie looks tired. Kate Hudson <laughs> has an excuse because she soon finds out when she goes to the doctor, played by Gail Garcia Bernal of Itu Mama Tambien and uh, Casa de Mi Padre, that... Uh, Not right, science he was, asleep? He was, was in the, the other guy. What? He was in Science of Sleep. Yeah, right. And I say the other guy. I really. The guy that was in. Uh, the other milk? guy from in the YouTube Beyond Beyond. Yep. In, yeah, the other guy from Eden Beyond Beyond. <laughs> yep, which I believe is a uh, Thai restaurant. <laughs> uh, so the two of them, he's the hair doctor. She says, Ooh, I've been having these pains in my butt area. And he says, and you've had blood in your stool. Yes, I've had that too. The audience has seen none of this. Absolutely. We don't need to see the blood in her <laughs> you stool. Want, you want, you want close up shots of bloody stool. I just want to, you hear no. building tension. All I want, ass cancer movie. You're thinking there's going to be some I'm loving thinking, shots. We are going to see stool. her. We are going to see her struggling away on the toilet <laughs> Lord knows what coming out of her anus. I am not going to lie. When you pitched this movie as the Kate Hudson ass cancer movie, I was like, I was just nonstop making poop slash fart jokes <laughs> the whole first twenty minutes until we actually realized there weren't going to be any. Yeah, no. Uh, so, but it seemed like a missed opportunity to you. Yeah, huh, you think, right? I'm just saying it's weird that she says to her friends, oh, "I'm not feeling so well," and then she goes to the doctor and she's like, "Yes, I have had bloody stool." It's like. That's a way more serious thing than not feeling well. Like you'd think she would be a little bit more frightened and maybe think there was something seriously wrong. Yeah, I don't know I'm, about you. I'm guys. bleeding from one of the two major orifices in my body that things are expelled from. Yeah. Wait, or did you mean the mouth is the other major orifice? Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. So, so the so the back before the front in orifices. Those are the two. I mean, major you didn't orifices. say the most important. I mean, it might minor be. orifices. So the so the front genitalia is minor to you. Well, I mean, when it comes tr- to orifices. Look, I'm a man, so maybe I mean I probably was di- probably be different from a for a lady. Yeah, I'm I think you're coming the, at this from I'm a male, a male cent- perspective, from a phallocentric point of view. The urethra, tiny big surprise, huh? Yeah, big surprise. big surprise. Classic misogynist. <laughs> anyway, so you, I'm just saying, if I the Orpheus orifice hierarchy, the Orpheus, Orpheus hierarchy, Orpheus is that Matrix the, guy, right? <laughs> no, it's Morpheus. Orpheus. <laughs> Orpheus is the greatest the flute or- player in ancient Greece. In the Orpheus myth, we all know that there are two major orifices. Yep. Yeah. In Orpheus the- and acidity. A blue Acidacy. orifice and a red orifice. The wrong one will kick which you out of one. Matrix. <laughs> but the right one will just keep you in there. And also you can't look back at Eurydice or else she disappears and turns into a bloody stool. That's now, nice. I'm just saying we need some more... So the character doesn't seem to be that worried <laughs> about something that would frighten me if it happened yeah. to me. But she goes to the doctor and he says, you have colon cancer. This is serious. This is a bad cancer to have. Game change. Yeah, this is a total game changer. And so it takes her a while to reconcile to this. It's a real record scratch of a... Um... She tries to use humor to not get too worried about it. And also she starts to romance the handsome doctor who is a Jewish Mexican. Now, wait, hold on. Back up for a second. Jewish and Mexican. Yes. It Back just up for a second. Out. When she's fully, when she is fully anesthetized, so they can stick a camera up her butt. Which, as Stuart said, 
I'm not sure something that's done. It might be a local anesthesia usually. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They usually put you under for the butt camera. Uh, but when she's fully anesthetized, she meets God, who Kate Hudson pictures as Whoopi Goldberg because her character is a big Whoopi Goldberg fan. And we know this because Whoopi her. Goldberg shows up. <laughs> but No, she says, like, oh, you're Whoopi Goldberg. It's like, oh, you know, because you're a big fan, I'm appearing to you as this. This marks her as a fictional character <laughs> because <laughs> in modern times, there's no such thing as a big Whoopi Goldberg fan. Whoopi Goldberg slam. But uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, she's been riding pretty high lately. <laughs> she needs Dan to keep her honest. Yeah, to take come her down on. A notch she's two. been red. Jumping Jack Flash is jumping a little too high, if you know what I mean. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg though, grants her a few wishes because I guess God is a genie. Uh, one of them being that she's going to get a million dollars later on. Let's just, I'm putting that out there. Spoiler Kate Hudson alert. is a direct line to God. Yeah, in the form of Whoopi Goldberg. In the form it's of a, the It's Whoopster. a real, uh, oh God, you devil's her situation. So she wakes up, finds out she has ass cancer. She's got the butt and cancer. And she has to... We're super insensitive about this affliction tonight. I, look, I just want to say, obviously if this was a real problem someone had in real life, I would be saddened. It would be yeah. tragic. Yeah. But if it happens in a crappy movie where the worst symptom that Kate Hudson displays to us, the audience, is that she has she's tired and she's has the cold. She's nose. Like, she's, she's not wearing any She makeup. looks like she's got yeah. the flu. She, she does is not re- look like she has cancer. Yeah, she's reco- she is in the throes of fatal cancer. She knows she's going to die. And this is expressed by her sitting on the couch with a blind blanket tucked around her and a tissue in her hand and she looks tired and puffy and her hair is kind of stringy yeah. like she doesn't eat like literally she looks like she's ha- she should call in sick to work if not you're like, a real person out, out there who's suffering disease all of my sympathies are with you all but of your sympathies all of them you're not even going to save some in case like a plane crashes hey, no my sympathies are a bottomless well Elliot. sure I think you're thinking of your antipathies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but if you're a stupid character in, th- in this movie, I mean, like, this movie is a greater insult to anyone with cancer than anything that we're going to say on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to say that Kate Hudson deserves to die, but her character certainly deserved to die. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's the entire so movie. That's, Let's, well, basic, uh, oh. well, basically, Kate Hudson deserved to die. She uh, uses humor. Uh, and see you she, next week on the Flophouse. She tells all her friends. <laughs> she tells her parents, Kathy Bates and Treat Williams, mm-hmm. and, who, who have a bad relationship. They are not happy with each other i assume they're divorced but maybe they're just unhappy together and they stay together because the sex is amazing yeah angry sex is the best mm-hmm. sex and she romances you can only imagine kathy bates and treat williams some hot hot sex <laughs> she romances the doctor the doctor is told by his superior that this is very unethical that's a subplot that goes nowhere it's just dropped uh unless we missed something which is possible because i had trouble paying attention to how boring this movie was uh she, Although this movie also screams deleted scenes, like the, like oh, this yeah, movie. director's cut. <laughs> no, I like this it's movie. Brilliant in the director's cut. Yeah, this movie screams like a movie where the, like, so really the, the screenwriter movie. went down any number of cul-de-sacs that were then just stripped from the movie. But you talking about that five tales. Scene? You're talking about that five minute scene where they just sing along, do an entire song in a car ride. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. so. Then she. She has a life insurance windfall. They'll give her the money before she dies. It's a million dollars. She takes what? her friends. That's what God said she was going to get. Mm-hmm, takes her friends on a shopping spree. Then the sickness goes to her head. She's an asshole to everybody. She's not dealing well with the fact that she's going to die, and she's mean to everyone. Then she sees God again, makes amends with everybody, dies, and they have a, a lighthearted jazz funeral in her honor. Mm-hmm. And that is the entire movie. Here is a, And here are the most – I left out the most intriguing characters of the film. Oh, man. I We'll give you them in order of most intriguing to least exciting. These are the most likable characters in the movie. 
One, her dog Stanley, who is a bulldog, adorable, mm-hmm. always looks like he's got something on his mind. And super he's, fat, super wrinkly. <laughs> he's going to say something hilarious. hilarious. If only if he could talk, this movie would bump, bump up from half a star to one and a half stars. Every scene that he was not in, I was wondering, what's Stanley up to? <laughs> Where's Stanley right now? Solving a crime, probably? They're in, in the background of one scene, because Kate Hudson has all these paintings in her apartment, uh, you can see a painting of Stanley. And I looked at it and I said... I am going to try to get that for Stuart for his birthday next year. The thing is that you have a bulldog as wrinkly as Stanley in a climate like New Orleans. That's crazy. He's what's going to happen? He's going to get sweaty. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be mold in those wrinkles, I yeah, feel so like. Yeah, so maybe i clean those out. <laughs> okay. Why don't we so, have a scene of her cleaning out his wrinkle mold? So Stanley, most lovable character in the movie. Second most lovable character in the movie. At one point, Kate Hudson takes her friend's daughter, who's a little girl, to the zoo they see an orangutan who has a lot of charisma, uh-huh. and the orangutan just pees right in front of him. Second best awesome. character in the movie. <laughs> Amazing. So that's first best Stanley is a real character. He appears. Second best character, a cameo by an orangutan. <laughs> Third best character in the movie, not even a cameo. When They're in the hospital at one point, and <laughs> on an escalator behind them is an extra who is a man with white hair and a suit and, and, a suit and glasses and there's just something Probably about him business something about him that screams what's this character doing in the hospital i would love to find out he has no lines he's a background extra draws focus instantly away from the main characters i think what's shocking is that a actor with his charisma is this late in life, and he has not, you know, rocketed to stardom with his own vehicles. <laughs> so there, you, like, so this movie would have been much better if it was about a dog that teamed up with a ra- an orangutan to pee on a man with white hair on an escalator. <laughs> that would have made this movie infinitely better. Now I will say, I mean, it sounds like a short subject, but it sounds like an amazing. No, it's short like subject. screwballs. They they spend the whole movie trying <laughs> to find ways to pee on him while he's on an escalator, and they keep fucking up. They can't do it, and then finally at the Credits end, credits roll. Peeing on the guy, slow motion pee splattering all over. <laughs> Original song rolls, then stop. Stanley has a rap. Orangutan is the DJ. Of course hitting you have the a disc. Made with a generous grant from the Canada Film Society. <laughs> yeah, very generous <laughs> and extremely overly generous. So interesting talking about rapping animals because uh, <laughs> this is relevant. This strangely enough <laughs> because MC Scat Cat himself, Romney Malco, is in the movie. Although Did he I only... pronounce that right? No, you Romney? didn't. Romney? Romany? Uh, Romany? Romani? Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not him. I don't know. Romani? I would say Romany Malco. Okay, but so he was great. He actually only performed one half of the raps for M. Ski Scat Cat in the song Opposites Attract. What? Wait, one within, half. I'm oh, sorry, within the same song. Yes. There a- were two MC According Scat's to Wikipedia, cat. the role of M. C. Scat Cat was too big for one man. <laughs> That's the thing. Half of, a, half of that song for one guy. Have you recorded half of that song? I don't think I so. I have not. How, but the, like, as a listener... To Opposites Attract, sure. a song that I've heard okay. several times in the course of my life. <laughs> How was I never uh, able to discern that there were two separate MC Scats I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because you're not listening to two different rappers. You're listening to the character of MC Scat Cat, and he comes to life. Yeah. So he, he probably also handled the animation duties, right? He did not, no. A professional animation okay, team did that. Andy Circus was uh, <laughs> MC Scat Actually, Cat. not Andy Circus, the actor, but a circus named Andy. <laughs> They hired all the circus people to do the animation. It was their weird. first job. It's amazing <laughs> that it came out so well. And what's That's weird funny, is Carnies uh, will do anything. What's though. weird is they animated it first, then cast Paula Abdul, wrote the song, and oh, then shot the video. 
The animation just fit perfectly. Oh, man. But I didn't know you've been watching the making of uh, Obsessed to Track the video. I've actually been the producing e- it. True Hollywood story. I'm producing you, a three-part. Kickstarter right now? Uh, yeah, I've, someone could donate to Kickstarter my three-part documentary on, it's called Scatting with the Cat. Sure. <laughs> opposites attract and attracting opposites. A $10 donation gets you a high five from Elliot. <laughs> yes, but you travel costs, you have to pay yourself. Sure, of course. And you have to find me. You can't arrange it. It's if you come to New York, see me on the street, walking to work or something, and you go, 10 bucks for Opposites Attract, I will high-five you. For $50, you get an animated pair of parachute pants. Yeah, but I draw them. And for $5,000, you get dinner with Elliot. Wow. You pay for the dinner. Yeah. In Stewart's house. That's what's weird. <laughs> is it Stewart will turn it into a French restaurant for one night, Shea Stewart. Yep. What's weird is he serves Beef Wellington, which is an English dish. <laughs> that is weird, right? But that's Shea Stewart. What are you going to do? Beef Wellington and Beef Stew. There's a lot of Beef Stewart Wellingtons in this. He also this puts a mustache on and talks in a French accent. <laughs> okay. And what will Monsieur have to drink? For a cause light? Oh, an excellent choice. <laughs> an excellent vintage. <laughs> So anyway, this movie would, is... Would Sir care to tap the Rockies tonight? I will say about this movie <laughs> about this movie that the actors in it try fairly hard to make... I like make... that I'm really selling Coors Light in that <laughs> version of the story. Well, the markup is insane. <laughs> You're charging $20 a can. That's the thing. I get, I get a little bit of a cut the thing out of is, that. You, you've got a totally different motivation. <laughs> Elliot's all about his MC Skate Cat project. You're more a Coors Light booster. Sure. Well, I want to get the party started. And the best way to do that is to have a giant train that sh- that sheds ice and beer. All Science over shows us that tr- parties are best started by a train in the mountains <laughs> that shoots beer at giants playing well, volleyball. From the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to a bevy of babes in bikinis. <laughs> it's a lot of bees. A lot of alliteration for Stuart Wellington. Also, Shea Stewart, tableside pouring service. <laughs> you pay a little extra, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so... I will say every actor in this movie is trying hard. I don't think maybe Kate Hudson's really? phoning it in. They seem to be trying hard to stay awake. To be That's honest with I you. mean that the, the quality of material they're working with is so low. Just the fact that they that they change their facial expressions. I do feel like they're trying to sell it. I mean, like Kate Hudson, I think, is the worst in the movie, which is a shame. This is the star. Even star. when she is riding a bicycle down the street in her pajamas, drinking whiskey out of a bottle, she is a real ET moment. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, E.T. was drunk at the time. Actually, that was a joke from an episode of The Critic, now that I think about it. But, uh, I, like, I mean, aside from uh, Mr. MC Scat Cat himself, Romney Malco, you've got a, a strong backing you got Kathy cast. Bates, Kathy Bates, Treat Williams, Treat Williams, Stephen Weber as Kate Hudson's boss. Lucy Punch. Lucy Punch as her best friend. Uh, who's the, Rosemary DeWitt. As her other best friend. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage appears as a dwarf gigolo. Of course, dwarf gigolo. It's Peter Dinklage. They're not going to put him in a cyborg body so he can play <laughs> a full-size person. Who A, a dwarf gigolo who, with the nickname A Little Bit of Heaven. So that's yeah. how we get the title, by the way. Yes. And they to get the title of the movie, they have to bring in a totally extraneous character who appears in one scene. Well, and he teaches her the valuable lesson of, hey, I know you're dying, but you gotta live your life, you know? Yeah. yeah. You gotta do a lot of fun shit. Mainly you can't by judge a playing book by its cover, man. And they mainly live by playing Texas Hold'em together. The I think can't judge a book by its cover. That's not the lesson at all. <laughs> but that's the lesson he teaches her. It doesn't apply to the movie. It's but... not like they fall in love. It's <laughs> Didn't well, they? no, he, he's, he's like, take another look. 
Give love a chance, man. You, can have, you can have love because I'm a night. dwarf. Doesn't I guess mean you so. can't love me. And Peter <laughs> Peter Dinklage has a mustache and and like blonde, and dyed blonde hair, dyed blonde big hair, and like instantly. You know what? I'm gonna add fourth him up. Likeable. I'm gonna fourth make him fourth character. most likable because I would love to see a series where Peter Dinklage's Gigolo, a little bit of heaven, has to solve mysteries <laughs> or save a business. I don't care what. He's so charming. You know what? I'm gonna Look, put Gigolo's him. Gigolo's getting into all kinds of hijinks. He, he, That's he's an a, Emmy. He is a close fourth to white-haired man on the escalator when it comes to likable characters. So I think I think part of what they're trying to do with the movie is is bore people to death. Well, they have you know they have this character who is a backdoor pilot for a series about <laughs> series about women who have ass cancer, a new woman. So he's a dwarf gigolo who brings who teaches a woman with ass cancer a different lesson every week. <laughs> And the only way that she can survive is if there's a surprise procedure performed by Dr. Orangutan MD. <laughs> yeah, with Stanley sitting there going, uh-oh, this is never going to wake. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking a cigar. And it's called David – it's called – it's called J.J. Uh, Abrams' butt buddies. J.J. <laughs> Abrams is attached to executive produce. <laughs> Uh, so you have a movie. If there's where- a way we could tie the butt patrol into this, I think we could really. You're a member, right, Dan? Sure. So I'm you a have a character member. who gets ass cancer, colon cancer. Let's colon call it cancer. colon cancer. In the movie, they repeatedly refer to it as ass cancer, which is not really accurate. It's mm-hmm. not in her ass; it's in her colon. So she has colon cancer, and semicolon cancer, not as bad, still painful. And then she has to. A lot of people misuse it, though. <laughs> Fall in love with somebody, and then she dies. Spoiler alert. Um, So I think what they try and sell you on is that pre-finding out that she has cancer, she was living her life wrong in some way. I guess she was too focused on work. Uh, She she refused to have relationships with guys. We see her uh, make a booty call to a gentleman, have sex with him, and then kick him out and say, I don't want relationships. Yeah, it was the it wasn't it was like the guy who was like the alien bounty hunter in X Files or something. I think that was He the, probably was an alien bounty hunter. I w- again something. would make the movie so much more interesting if he, he was. He was a character actor you would recognize. But here's the thing. She is living her life like there's no tomorrow. And then she gets Wait, cancer. Before or after before the cancer. And then the lesson of the movie seems to be live your life like there's a tomorrow, even when there isn't. Yeah. Lesson seems to be get cancer be a dick to everyone for a while, and then at the last minute, don't be a dick. Here's the other thing. She is a dick to everyone, and they yeah. react the way that you would if a friend was a dick to you. They get mad at her. They stop talking. They have arguments. But when you're dying, you can be a dick to everybody way much more than she pulled off. People have to let you do it until they reach a bigger breaking point. And there could have been even more tension in the movie if she is lashing out at them to get them to show that they're as worried about this as she is but is pretending not to be. And they refuse to do it because they think they're just making things easier for her. So she has to lash out more. And then finally they do reach a breaking point and they realize that this is what they needed was to actually get mad at each other. That would have been a way better movie. Okay, so that would have been a movie about a, real emotions. You wanted that scene and a scene of bloody poop. Just to, <laughs> I'm just we don't need track. the bloody poop scene. I would just lo- have loved if – the audience knew that she was experiencing the symptoms of a serious problem before she tells the doctor because it comes as a weird surprise. Like, yeah. why are you so blasé about this like if there's been know- blood in your poop? Yeah, it's only like it's it's not a surprise because you're going into this movie knowing what it's about. Yeah. I'll, let me say – maybe I'll get too personal here. Because you read about it on Rotten Tomatoes or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll get it too personal here. I've, ne- I've never had blood in my stool. But as a man who's passed multiple kidney stones – 
like even knowing what's going you know, on. Down on the Coca Cola, I think. I don't drink a lot of Coca Cola these days. Okay. It's probably related to spinach is one possibility. Oh, that's weird. But that's where I get my strength, and I need that to save my wife from Bluto. <laughs> so it's a real bind. But even knowing. I know the symptoms of a kidney stone. I know what it feels like. I know how the process goes. It's still really scary. So if she was dealing with something she had never dealt with before, didn't know what it was, she would be super frightened. She wouldn't be so like, yeah, I guess my tummy hurts and there's blood in my poop. Whatever, doc, lay it on me. I know you're just trying to soak me for the bill. Nothing's going wrong. Well, I mean, like, Unless that, she's eating blood sausage, there should not be blood in her poop. There's and a problem not with be surprised. Like, the seriousness. Is that what happens when you eat blood sausage? <laughs> yeah, but it's worth it. It's delicious. Okay. Here's how you eat blood sausage. The first bite, delicious. It's like meat chocolate cake. Okay. Second bite, tastes disgusting. The third bite... Delicious, and every bite after that is delicious. It's like a Krispy Kreme donut. Kind of, yeah, but made with blood. I would agree with that. I mean, like, the secret to eating blood pudding is forgetting that you're eating congealed blood. Oh, not for me. I like to feel I'm absorbing the strength and power of the animal. Sure. (laughs) I have all the power of a pig now. But but then I eat eat beef hearts the way other people eat apples. (laughs) Just take a bite. Maybe I'll peel them with a knife, but, you know, just take a bite out of them. No, but I think you come to a, like a good point about the seriousness of this film. Like the tone of this is all wrong. And sometimes I make candy beef hearts. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if this was like if this was a better movie, what you're describing would be right. Like yeah. she's driving everyone, she's driving everyone away until it reaches a breaking point, and then there's catharsis. This catharsis, yes. Whereas this movie, and she re- says, "I really am scared. I right. didn't know how to express it." Blah blah blah. And this this movie treats everything so lightly, and there are no stakes because you know that when she dies, she's just going to go up to heaven with Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, there's one scene where Kathy Bates cooks her a steak. That's the closest <laughs> the movie has to having any stakes. But the thing is, like, because this is such a light movie, um, her being an asshole just lands so much harder. Like, she's yeah. being a dick to Maybe her mom her being through the an whole movie is reflective. Oh, oh maybe. that thing we talked yeah. about earlier. This movie's a lot wink. deeper than I thought. <laughs> wink, <laughs> wink, I'm glad wink. you said wink. Yep. For the audience. But, no, you're but right. I just feel bad about like like Kathy Kathy Bates is her mom. Like I'm just like, you are mistreating your mom, not realizing how difficult it is for her seeing her daughter be sick. And similarly, we keep hearing from Kathy Bates and Kate Hudson how horrible her dad is. Her dad's so cold and unemotional. But we never see it. So and it's, it's like fucking it, Treat Williams, and that dude is amazing. It's yeah, hard he's a to treat. It's hard to imagine Treat Williams as a cold monster, even it, having been in the substitute. I movies. only imagine he looks him like riding a teddy bear on a jet ski, <laughs> blasting alien tentacles with a shotgun. But he looks like a teddy bear doing that. So deep, deep rising. I just I watched that movie a lot, Dan. <laughs> sure, I watch it before any major event in my life: my wedding, my graduation from cooking school, my graduation from stripping <laughs> <I think>, school. <laughs> it was the same. School, Stuart. It was a stripping cooking school. <laughs> I think this may be a self fulfilling thing. I think you may be associating Treat Williams with all the warm moments in your life. Uh, I don't know what this self fulfilling thing means. Sure. I just know the Deep Rising is amazing and Wes Studio <laughs> is in it. Uh, and he does not blast anything with a shotgun. He gets blasted. I honestly don't know. And I don't know <laughs> if it's in the purview of this episode. <laughs> More, it's more interesting than the movie, much like Stanley. But you make a good point that because the movie is so lighthearted, she really – it feels like she's really abusing people. And we're never given a reason why we should continue to like this person or care about her. It's kind of like Young Adult in a way where in Young Adult, Charlize Theron is a jerk to everybody. But the point of the movie is she's unhappy and that makes her a jerk to everybody. 
and I didn't think the movie pulled that off particularly well, but it pulls it off much better than this one. Well, but at least in that movie, like that's a dark comedy, so you're supposed to understand that like her behavior it's not is supposed not to be heartwarming. Good, yeah, yeah, but it's still I don't know. She didn't get enough of a comeuppance. I liked Young Adult more than you, you liked it more than I did. Also, but I, think, I also didn't I think find that it that totally. Funny, so. It makes more sense. In no, that certainly, movie. very much so. This movie's supposed and, to be like a lighthearted well, ro- rom com about ass referencing cancer. Young Adult. Charlize Theron makes herself look way grosser than Kate Hudson ever. She makes, makes herself, herself look, look despite her puffiness. She makes herself look like someone who is struggling to get through life, you know, and doesn't know what to do with herself. Whereas, yeah, manic depressive alcoholic, which is what her character. Kate is. Hudson like just looks, yeah, just looks kind of like puffy and like she woke up on the wrong side of the bed and she didn't. Looks put like her she's got bad on. allergies. That's yeah, she looks like she's on. experiencing hay fever. The whole time. Like, she has fatal hay fever. Maybe the doctor should have checked her for hay fever, guys. That could have been the problem. Ass <laughs> hay fever. <laughs> They've been treating doctor. her wrong all along. <laughs> my butt keeps sneezing. <laughs> here's, here's my other, here's my... What's, <laughs> those are just farts, Kate. Those are just farts. That your butt is not sneezing. Butt my sneeze. butt has smelly sneezes. This is a really highbrow episode of the Flophouse. But I guess when we're watching the ass cancer movie, we're going to be talking about butts butt and farts. Clarity? But Claritin, blue butt, <laughs> smiling at me, Claritin. Uh, so here's something I'm gonna. Here's a theory I'll bring in. Okay. Our uh, our good friend. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> this Thanks, time. flop judge. <laughs> it's the auteur theory. It's, it postulates so the director is the author of the film, <laughs> even if he didn't write the script. Uh, our friend, friend of the show, I love bad movies publisher. Uh, Sanya Yorosh does a presentation about something called uh, – what's it called? Uh, love Story love Disease. Story love Story Disease. Yeah. LSD, Love Story Disease, in which your movie is about a, a guy, a dopey guy who gets a new lease on life when he falls in love with a quirky woman who is going to die. This is that movie, but it's told from the girl's point of view. It's a quirky girl who's going to die. She meets her doctor who's kind of like a straight-laced guy who needs to loosen up. Gael Garcia Bernal. Yeah, and she gets him to loosen up. But it's told from her point of view, and it seems – and it's just – the movie's all off balance. She has like no character arc. Nothing really happens except her getting mad at people and then break, you know, having arguments and then she give, uh, apologizes. It's like they tried to tell that story – backwards and it didn't work at all and it's a dumb story to tell to begin with but i wonder if that was the thinking almost behind it was like let's tell that girl's story you know what let's let's turn this convention on its on its ear exactly if that's true i will give the movie credit in one regard which is this is the only movie like that where the main character does not get more beautiful as she gets sicker that's true like they actually did, even though it still they don't looked like her... the symptoms of a cold. I mean, when she's a ghost at the end, she looks banging, dude. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, but she's a ghost. She's healthy then. You want to have yeah, sex but... with that ghost? <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm like Ray ghost stands on that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be lying back, ghost undoing your belt, giving you a blowjob, and then uh, immediate cross eyes. And then immediate cross eyes because in the '80s, blowjobs gave you cross eyes. Blowjob so technology out. had just been invented. <laughs> My, te- my teacher always told me if I kept doing that, they'd stay that way. So means- <laughs> you kept getting blowjobs, they would stay that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That made me Why terrified was your of teacher- getting blowjobs. <laughs> what sc- class was this? What subject? Sex was this? ed. Oh, okay. Well, that's. I think you may have been uh, given in- inaccurate information. Okay. Well, I'll take it up with my teacher. You still keep in touch? Oh yeah. <laughs> We're on Facebook. Oh, really? That seems in- inappropriate. You don't do Facebook. Well, that and seems inappropriate. Not the fact that they talked about blowjobs. It's all the, the sex time. ed class. All right. Yeah, but sex ed, you talk about blowjobs all the time. Yeah, dude. come on. 
My sex How ed class in high school get off? was called Blowjobs um, 101. It's true. We need to talk so, after the podcast. Uh, we've talked about butt cancer, <laughs> blowjobs, <laughs> ghosts, uh, butt sneezes. Uh, we've uh, about <laughs> orangutans. Dr. Orangutan MD. <laughs> and his sidekick, Stanley the dog. I think uh, I think we've managed to avoid most of most of the movie. I think maybe we actually need to uh, get on to final judgment. Wrap things up because we have a, a lot of news actually to talk oh, about. Oh, that's right, we do actually. News, but um, the news hinted at earlier in an earlier so, episode. So uh, this is the uh, final judgment sections where we talk about how this is a, whether this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, what do you I have to I think in the interest of speeding this section along, I'll speak for all of us. This was a bad, bad movie. I think this was the oh. most... The, <laughs> will you allow it? Yep, I'll allow it. This was the, I think, highest proportion of the movie was spent with us looking at our phones or desperately... Or watching Dan's cat just lie there. <laughs> it was very hard to... It was just a really not good, yeah. very, like, boringly and insultingly bad movie. If we if we made a major Olivia Wildgate-style error in this podcast, I apologize. But it was... I apologize for nothing. <laughs> well, yeah. Hamburger and steak, dude. <laughs> yes. Horrible. That's not even what he was referring to, but that is still something I'm disgusted by. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's if we made any mistakes with the plot, please don't correct us because then it means you'll have watched the movie and we'll feel bad about it. So, a little bit of heaven. Are we going to make our announcement or go to the letters thumbs first? Thumbs down. Uh, well, <laughs> thumbs d- two thumbs down. Before we make an announcement. I give it zero out of a million stars. Before we make the announcement, I want to quickly thank for their donations Martin J., Daniel B., and Luke S. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks. you very much. We uh, appreciate it. Thank you for your kind hearts, your open wallets. Mm-hmm. And your coronets. Your, your what? kind hearts and your coronets. Your kind hearts and your coronets, yeah. <laughs> Because we we we, we, just we haven't we it. haven't making enough Ealing's Ealing pictures references in this podcast. So uh, when do we get a lavender hill mob joke in here? Now I think okay done. Keep moving on. So uh, let's keep on keeping on, shall we? This is the point where we reveal something. Uh, what, you're uh, fucking prefacing it. <laughs> This is the yeah. This is the point in every show where we make a big announcement. Okay, so last week we talked. Uh, last time we <laughs> talked about something. some shit, and we argued for a while. And it turns out we shouldn't have been arguing. Right? Yeah, we could have just revealed it. And I apologize for for I second apologize guessing. Apologize for Dan. nothing. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was hilarious. It kept the asses in the seats. <laughs> the kept. Uh, so starting kept them sneezing away. Starting October the first, our good friend Al Madrigal. Al Madrigal. You may know him as Al Madrigal, the new Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Uh, and I, I want to give a shout out to uh, I mean, just he's briefly. Better, right? Apparently, uh, Al gave a, uh, a gave a performance at Ohio State University, and a Flophouse fan was there, and it just reminded us what a what a broad reach this podcast has that goes all the way to OSU. So thanks, OSU student, for listening um, to the Flophouse. But continue, Al Madrigal. Continue. Our good friend Al Madrigal uh, is starting up a podcast network. Now you may be familiar with the podcast networks. There's the Earwolf, Earwolf Network. Earwolf? The Earwith, the width of an ear. <laughs> That's the perfect width for a podcast, because ears are what the podcast goes into. There's the Nerdist Network. Sure. Uh, but Al is starting something called All Things Comedy. ATC, All Things Comedy. Um, some are of the pitching people, people on it? Or we no, just, just, well, I'm just we're talking telling about what it is. Some of the folks involved, who uh, some of the podcasts involved. You got uh, your Greg Barrent. You got your Eddie Pepitone. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Harlan Williams. Is Bill Burr involved? Bill Burr. 
Big names, big names. Much bigger names than us. Yeah. Much larger names than us. I would say much funnier. Mm, well, maybe not. some of them, maybe, yeah. And Al Madrigal. Don't, hey, you're funny, guys, Stuart. Hey, thanks. Well, that's what I was fishing for. <laughs> you're equally funny. Oh, that's a comedy callback. Comedy callback. <laughs> Review callback. Anyway, Dan. Uh, and Al's uh, podcast, his own podcast, Minivan Men. But uh, he's put together this. Half man, half minivan. This network, uh, which is a podcast. All man. <laughs> Collective, uh, and by collective, I, I I mean to point that out by saying that it's like the Borg. The fact that we're part of this does not mean that anything is going to change. Yeah, the po- this podcast way. will remain almost entirely the same. We will be a basically independent unit within this larger comedy network. What <clears throat> we will gain from this is uh, greater listenership, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. New, new flop fans. New floppers. And perhaps a little money. Cha-ching. Uh, oh, man. What will happen in terms of you listening is almost nothing different. However, we do we will warn you, there will likely be at some point in the future some advertising. Some light adage. Some, some light, light advertising. Light sponsor announcement, but not... Uh, not pre-recorded ads or anything like that, right? No, I we'll, believe that we'll be doing the ad copy. We'll be real, we'll be doing it the old-fashioned way. It'll just be like the old Gracie Burns George Allen show, where uh, I got the names backwards. Where uh, they That's were hilarious. like, "Ah, oh, let's tell some funny jokes, and then we'll enjoy some Maxwell House coffee. Mm-hmm. Ooh, delicious coffee!" Now back to the jokes. Mm-hmm. And now the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. But uh, I want to say this Meredith about this: Wilson, the playwright. What? <laughs> Anyway, keep going. Meredith Wilson, uh, who did Music Man, was also the music guy for uh, the Jack Benny show. Oh, oh I didn't realize that. Kind of like how uh, on RuPaul's Drag Race, RuPaul's always promoting uh, Iron Fist shoes and her various <laughs> her various other products. Iron Fist mm-hmm. shoes. That's the name of them. I'm really? Not it up. And Marvel is okay with that? Yeah, totally cool. But I just want to say that um, in terms of um, this becoming a sellout proposition, if we're we- selling out. Well, it's true. We are selling. Also, it. Stewart's being replaced by a cartoon cat again. Yep. I'm going to be replaced with uh, Dustin Diamond, mm-hmm. and Dan is going to be replaced with uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. That's right. It's a two-part Saved by the Bell reunion, and the cartoon cat was in the pilot for Saved by the Bell. Uh, it's a total sellout move. We're all going to move to Malibu and buy houses and surf all day and sleep all night. No, I, I just wanted Sounds to say perfect. that. Uh, <laughs> Where do I sign? Uh, right here in this devil contract. <laughs> this podcast was never meant to be a money making enterprise. Not at all. I'm and it has succeeded. <laughs> it has succeeded by leaps and bounds. Beyond <laughs> our wildest dreams. Yeah. Mission uh, accomplished. No money. No, but I find I find it hard to believe that it might become one at some time. And and if anyone is afraid of us selling out, let me just point out that it is still a podcast. So the level of selling out. Is is commiserate to the medium. Well, I think I think I can speak for all of us. Maybe when I say that the reason we do this is because we enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. and we get a we get pleasure out of doing it. We get pleasure out of knowing people listen to it and enjoy it. We get pleasure a lot right. of pleasure out of hearing back from you and getting your letters and things like that. Uh, it would be great to, for us to get some money right. from it, but the main drive is still. Because we love doing it, because we love hearing from you, and we hope you still enjoy it. So we're not going to change the podcast to try to chase the buck or anything. Yeah. And the primary reason that we were interested in joining this collective was to grow the podcast the in terms of the the audience. Yeah, so that we could get more floppies out there. Um, so no, I agree. 
That I'm with you guys on this. Stuart was a little wary at first, but only because after- I said more floppies. <laughs> We've already have too many, but only because he originally came up with the idea for two broke girls mm-hmm. and uh, signed it away. It's called two bloke girls, and it was two guys <laughs> that were girls. <laughs> They're also English. <laughs> so, uh, also, um, while we're in a sort of housekeeping part of the show, we should plug. Something. Our next live uh, flop house screaming. Yeah, and then I've got a plug too, as long as we're plugging things. At 92Y Tribeca mm-hmm. on November the 2nd, mm-hmm. we will be doing our fourth screening where we will riff over a movie. We're going to talk over a movie, do a little, do yeah, some bits. I, I wouldn't use the term riff. That gets us close to yeah, that's copyright infringement. <laughs> I mean, we're the gonna, idea of a riff is riff not, over some kind of track. We're just gonna we're just gonna MST three K a movie. <laughs> I I mean, it's a jazz term before it was anything associated with uh, bad movies. But sure, uh, we're gonna be okay. Cat screening <laughs> jazz the film all of a sudden. Bratz with the a movie Z. Bratz. Now we've talked movie. about Bratz a lot. Yeah, we did. Uh, we laughed a lot a lot about Bratz. Mm-hmm. We, we loved, loved a lot, lot about, about Bratz. Bratz. <laughs> so. Uh, you've probably already watched Bratz at home like a zillion times, mm-hmm. but have you seen it on the big screen no. with three dudes talking over it the whole time? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, we'll be doing Unless it- you're a future traveler. Again. A chronomancer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing it again in coordination with I Love Bad Movies, uh, the zine everybody loves to read, and uh, hopefully it'll be as enjoyable as our past screenings, which were big hits. And sold out. And sold out. So this might be a sellout crowd. So, so get your tickets early. You get should, your tickets yeah, off. So if you're a walk. huge sellout, come to our show. <laughs> As right? we are, because right. we joined a network. Uh, and I also this is not a Flophouse thing, but I also want to mention at 92i Tribeca, I'm going to be doing uh, three nights of sketch comedy the first three Thursdays in October. That's the 4th, 11th, and 18th. It's a 10-year anniversary reunion of me and my sketch partner, Brock Mahan. Together, we're the hypocrites. And... Uh, We've been performing together off and on for about 10 years now. We're going to do some of our old material and some of our new material, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. We'll have special guests. All that information is up on the 92i Tribeca website. And, and Brock's been on the show before, yeah? Yeah, yeah Brock has you, been, I guess, He was here for Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and at least, at least times, one more. I, I Maybe three, I feel He's like. been a, a Stuart stand-in. Mm-hmm, and an Elliot stand-in. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, but we're going to be doing those shows at 92i Tribeca in case you can't wait till November. And you need some Elliot Kalen-related humor. Yeah, you need a crack at Kalen. <laughs> yep, uh, a kale crack. How was that? That was good. So, uh, Housekeeping ended. Boring business taken care of. Uh, if you have any complaints about our joining this network, uh, please uh, send them to the Flophouse. Shove them up your ass where you'll get ass cancer. <laughs> well, I was going to say post them to the Flophouse <laughs> Facebook page so we can make fun of them, but... Uh, so this is the Flophouse mailbag segment. Sure, of movie the show. mailbag. Movie mailbag. Mailbag for movies. Letters from movies. Writing letters. How does a movie write a letter? Let's find out now. Dan, your songs, your intro songs are getting more and more inaccurate. I'm moving my intro songs into strange new territories. Uh, this letter is titled "Do You Need Another Excuse to Discuss Bratz the Movie?" Nope. <laughs> Uh, Did Nostradamus write this letter <laughs> in a quatrain? It's titled. Yeah, uh, it's. I'm sorry. It's. It's addressed, dear OP, original peaches. That's nice. Up. I went yep. back through the catalog, and it seems like this was never discussed. Eurasian brat's love interest in the film is played by Chet Hanks, the other child doomed to live in Tom's shadow. Chet also appeared as student and library in the newest Indiana Jones 
and Pizza Delivery Boy and Larry Crown. I'm just going to mention that it's better to live in Tom Hanks' shadow than live in Tom Hanks' closet as his third son has had to do. <laughs> the uh, evil son. Sure. <laughs> Shank Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps most importantly, Chet has embarked on a rap career oh, under yeah. the name Chet Hayes. Oh, and weird. she has a YouTube link here that I'll throw up on the site. Uh, a friend of mine's brother has actually worked with him oh, on yeah. those raps. Uh, well, she goes on to say, Chet also <laughs> intrends Northwestern, where I imagine he is taunted every day in the quad. Lots of love. Sarah, last name with him. Interesting thing to until, bring up. Yeah, until he sings a rap about him. Yeah, and then they're like, whoa. So turn around. His solid rhymes. Uh, yeah. My, I actually have Makes two- her hair stand on end. And then they try and top that. Like in T Witch. <laughs> well, they feel dissed, which is short for disrespected, Stuart. Oh, okay. Yeah, a, a, uh, the brother means. of a friend of mine, I believe, worked as a like sound engineer producer on some of those raps. To engineer the soundscapes. <laughs> yeah, and you may know Northwestern as the alma mater of frequent flophouse writer inner in irritating ways, my brother David. <laughs> <laughs> the soundscapes. Yeah, he's he likes to he's he's really molding sound into shape. So if you want to see uh, the rapping child of America's male sweetheart, come to Bratz the Movie on November 2nd. Uh, With us, the Flophouse. So this is titled (laughs) Knighthood Disgraces. Dear Floppers... Which actor with a knighthood do you think has disgraced themselves with their career choices? Sir Stuart Wellington. (laughs) It seems to me that the three obvious contenders are Sir Sidney Poitier, who directed Ghost Dad and To Sir With Love 2, decades after being knighted. Sir Michael Caine, who starred in The Hand and shared the screen with Jim Belushi in Mr. Destiny. Let's not forget Jaws 4. And Sir Ben Kingsley, Blood Rain, Love Guru, lots and lots of other shit. The dark horse in the race seems to be Sam Neill, who is a New Zealand title equivalent to the knighthood, the New Zealand Order of Merit, and has starred in that movie with the armored <laughs> owls, the trashiest of all Showtime shows, and 1981's Possession, where Isabella Adjani that is, has sex with an octopus. That's an amazing movie. I will not have anything bad said about <laughs> Possession. It, if, you, if you guys, this is not my recommendation for the night, but if you guys have not seen Possession, see it. It is batshit crazy. Sam Neill's great in it. Isabella Ajani's great in it. She has a scene in a subway tunnel where she goes crazy and is vomiting stuff up. That goes on forever. It's amazing. And yes, she has sex with a tentacle monster. It's a fantastic movie. I mean, you it is really bizarre. sold that to me. It is a yeah. movie that is alternately... It's a little too long. It's a little slow. But it is so alternately bizarre and beautiful. we're recommendations part of that? Well, but, and it's a beautifully shot movie. But anyway, I would say... Oh, is the letter not done yet? Oh, it just says, keep up the great work. If you ever run out of ideas, make Elliot inhale helium... Because nothing is funnier than a man inhaling a poisonous gas and then talking funny. Yours, Lawrence, last name withheld. I don't already... Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Probably. Lawrence Von Arabia. I, I don't already sound high-pitched enough that I need helium, too. But uh, I would say that there is a tradition in the British theater, mm-hmm. and it's called Do It For The Money. Yeah. And I would feel I, love that, it. I would feel they would not be holding up their end of the knighthood if they didn't take whatever crappy job they could that would pay them. <laughs> like when Dame Judy Dench had to be an air elemental in <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick. Exactly. Or when the my favorite story of this is uh when Sir Lawrence Olivier played Douglas MacArthur in the movie Inchon, which was a movie that was funded by the recently departed Reverend Sung Young Moon. Uh and he demanded that they pay him in briefcases of cash because he didn't trust them to to back any of the checks that they had promised him. Uh, you'll do you just if you're a British actor, you do any job for the money. This is the way it is because you're yeah. a professional. 
So I guess what Ellie's saying is the most whorish British actor with knighthood? All of them. <laughs> All of them, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Also, there is no way that the Borgias is the trashiest show on Showtime. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and Sam Neill was great in my third favorite John Carpenter movie of all time. That's only your third favorite? Memoirs of an Invisible Man. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> what? Why, I oughta. Maybe a spin a on that one. Well, he's also great in that my... That would be less than my third favorite. Also great in, in Mouth of my favorite John Carpenter movie, In the Mouth of Madness. Nope, sure. Although it's kind of tied with The Thing, but everyone's favorite is The Thing. The thing they live in Big Trouble in Little China, all superior. Ugh, big Trouble in Little China. In the Mouth of Madness is way better than that. Uh, Finest this... adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's themes to film. Big Trouble in Little China? No, In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> this is titled, Hey, Grillhouse Gang. Just I think he has quick... the wrong podcast. <laughs> I think he's looking for the Grilled Cheese podcast. Just a quick question as the summer winds down. If each of you had your own signature barbecue sauce... <laughs> what would you name it? I.e. the Grillhouse House Cat Sweet and Sassy Molassy oh, Barbecue man. Sauce. Well, that's a great name. Keep up the great work, and dry rubs can go fuck themselves. Brian, the rapidly closing on a, closing in on middle-aged Canadian barbecue kid, Skinner. Well, Brian. Oh, man. That's I a, don't like your I, controversial position on dry rubs. I feel that. like this is a question for Dan. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan. Of all the floppers, I think Dan spends the most time cooking. Yeah. Uh, like that one party he showed up and he brought boy bait for all of us to eat. Boy bait? Yeah, it was called boy bait. It's called blueberry boy bait. Blueberry boy bait. That sounds that worse so somehow. It's, it's bait that you use to bait a boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. You bait that boy if you, you want to marry him. I don't, yeah. yeah, it's still creepy. It's so also would, known as husband bait in certain... I think... Certain, uh, so what would your sauce be, Dan? <laughs> look, so, uh, look if, it, if that bait's not going to help me find old Scratchy, the biggest catfish in Skull Lake, then I am not interested. <laughs> How about I've been, boys. I've been trying to get scratchy for for years now, and he keeps on a missing. Uh, but I'll catch him. I'll yeah, catch Dan, him. What's, all right. What's what's your flavor? It would be probably Malt. salty. I've come to love that fish in a way I can't love another human being. Anyway, what would your sauce be? Molasses cancer sauce. <laughs> oh no! See, he brought he tied it in with the movie we watched. Too a little soon. bit of heaven. Too soon. Oh, uh, that's a tough one. Yours would be salty and probably really vinegary. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Carolina sauce. Yeah, definitely. Is there a sauce that causes depression? Elliot's would be super sweet and yeah, delicious, and everybody wants it all the time. Thank but, you. But it's it's just sometimes too knowledgeable for its own good. Yeah, it's a little. It's I think a that it's the a pedantic metaphor sauce. Is falling apart at this point. <laughs> and also, when you eat it, you get a phone call that tells you you have a week left to live. <laughs> when, until a ghost girl comes from the TV. Stuart, that leaves you. It's going to have some kind of drink in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coors Light-based barbecue sauce? It's a Coors Light-based barbecue sauce. Uh, it maybe. tastes like Castle Freak. Uh, <laughs> penises, ding maybe it makes It tastes so good it makes you rip off your own ding-dong. Tell you what, maybe, you're, maybe, your sauce, maybe your sauce is more of like a blue cheese dressing because you pour sure, it over yeah. something that's shredded like lettuce. Yeah, oh, nice. Nice, uh, there you go. You just pour that blue cheese sauce all over your food. Let's just keep moving on, shall we? <laughs> This, this letter's titled Newsies. <laughs> I like it already. Newsies. I like it already. Santa Fe. One complaint, and Newsies. guys, this is a deep cut. Back in 2010 in the podcast about surrogates. That is a deep cut. Stewart, I forgot we did that movie. <laughs> Stewart announces proudly that he is a newsie, and then Dan and Elliot imply that he must be an orphan who lives on the street because, as Elliot says, 
What parents? Le- what parent lets their kid be a newsie if they have a home? Uh-oh. Not only is this historically I know inaccurate, that they're newsies with a home and a family. It's in the not movie. even in line with the canon of the groundbreaking Disney film and Broadway musical. In the film, Jack Cowboy Kelly befriends David and Les Jacobs, brothers who become newsies when their father is forced out of work due to his broken arm. And he eats at their house. After yeah. a long day of selling papers, David and Les bring Papes. Jack home for dinner with their family. <laughs> Where Jack learns for the first time what a family is, as evidenced in the song Santa Fe. So this is Santa what they call Fe. a family. Here mother, I daughter, am. father, son. But you're all the way in Santa Fe. Get a map. Although Take Jack a look. Kelly- <laughs> Over there's where it's located. Although Jack Kelly clearly had no idea what a family was, educational standards were not great in 1899, not all newsies were orphans who lived in newsboys' lodging houses. Even the boys who did live in the lodging houses were not abandoned orphans, as Dan says, as shown in Patrick's mother's verse in the song, oh. Carrying the Banner. Patrick, darling, All right. since you left me, I am undone. Mother loves you. God save Mother my son. Mother loves write this letter? you. I know I'm not related to any of you, probably. Oh, that's the most touching part of the movie, as far as I'm concerned, is, is the mother's part of that. It comes after the nuns give the bread out to the kids. She says, I'm not, I know I'm not related to any of you, probably, but if Elliot's brother can write in correcting stupid sports <laughs> trivia that no one really he cares about. He can't, though. He can't do that. I can, too. In fact, I can do one better. Anytime you need to fact-check your Newsies references, you can take a break from recording the podcast and send me an email. I will respond within three to five business days. Too long. <laughs> too Way too long. Here's in flops. Sarah, last name with help. Well, so, we appreciate your you fact-checking newsies, and I hope that we can turn to you whenever we have any questions in the Kenny Ortega canon. Now, Elliot, you saw newsies before it was on Broadway. You saw it in previews. I saw it. Well, the reason I saw newsies yeah, before it was on Broadway. Yeah, you saw it was a movie. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, also, I also saw it in the theaters as a movie, yes, as a kid. But uh, Newsies, the hit Broadway musical, actually started its run at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey, my hometown, one of the finest regional theaters in the eastern seaboard. So, of course, I took my wife, who's a big Newsies fan, to go see it. Uh, and it was actually kind of nice, partly because this is my hometown. I was able to take her to a place we hadn't been to in it before. But her grandparents went on a date to that same theater in the 1940s. They took the train out from New York to Milburn, went to the theater, saw a show, eventually got married, and uh, had kids who had kids. It was all meant to be. And people say that you're kind of robotic and don't understand (laughs) love, but look at this, dude. Look at that, yeah. I understand romance slightly, what you humans call romance. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and Paper Mill Playhouse, uh, I, I think Anne Hathaway performed there at some point. So oh, there your you ex-girlfriend. Go. <laughs> yes, ex-wife. Ex- Whoa. No, we don't know each other. And uh, so the last <laughs> the last letter of the evening from Keith, last name held forth, Hannaford. It's titled Science Fiction Trivia. Mm. This letter says, <laughs> What does a space bull do in a space rodeo? Space bucks. That was not trivia. <laughs> First off, not trivia, so... I was ready to answer a question about the day the Earth stood still, or childhood's end, and then we get that joke from, what, 101 space jokes for kids? <laughs> it oh, took yeah. a lot of effort, dude. It took a lot of effort to copy You're... that down with one hand onto the while he was typing. Well, You're a great open... joke, and you can play. Hold open the book with one hand and punch it into his iPhone in the other. No, you're right. That was a fantastic joke. Fantastic space bucks joke. Space, space joke. So, 
Uh, what the, do we do now? <laughs> we fucking wrap this thing up or something? Oh, no, 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 no. We recommend recommendations. Things. This is the part of the podcast where we recommend a movie, uh, perhaps that we've seen recently, perhaps not, that we actually liked in contrast to the nonsense we review on this, this podcast. So, Stuart, is there a movie that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, yeah, I got a quick recommendation here. Mm-hmm. I just watched uh, a, a little Danish movie called Pusher. Uh, we have some Danish fans out there. Hey, guys, uh, you guys came into my bar one night. And we had beers. Uh, so Pusher is the first movie by Danish director Nicholas Wendy Reffen. I guess that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. Better known here for Drive. And it's, uh, yeah, and previous Stuart recommendation, Valhalla Rising. He also made Bronson. Yeah, and he also made Bronson. And uh, if you ever want to see Thomas Hardy, it's a story. Tom Hardy. Oiled up totally and giant. Nude. It is a fan- that's a great scene though. Yeah, it's where amazing. he's nude and he makes the the jailer he's the crazy wax mustache. oil him up so that he can slip out of the guards' grips better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pusher is the story of a low level uh, drug dealer, who, a pusher, if you will, who gets in over his head and has uh, finds himself in debt to some dangerous men and has to make that money back. Uh, and specifically, it features one of uh, a Flophouse fave, Mad About Mads, Mads Mikkelsen, <laughs> uh, in a great role featuring a head tattoo. So, Man, Mads Mikkelsen. I hope you guys at home are as mad about Mads as I am, as we are. As America's going to be when his new Hannibal Lecter show comes out. And when the Thor movie comes out. He's oh, the villain man. in it. Every, he's all over the place. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. It's going to be Mads Madness. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was mine. Uh, well, I will say, uh, as happens occasionally, I was on a plane as recently. Happens? Yeah, as All happens. All your recommendations for like six months now have been plane movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a globe a, trotter. the only environment he likes to watch a movie. <laughs> I'm starting to think that you get plane tickets to see movies. <laughs> if you can see, think of a better way to watch movies, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> have you guys noticed that the price of movie tickets have gone way up? They're anywhere from 300 to $1,000, and the screens have gotten smaller. Uh, so I saw a movie, though, that I would recommend even if I was not on a plane. Oh, I know wow. that the joke has been that I recommend plane movies to watch on a plane. Not the joke, the truth. I Actual events. It's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on the way back uh, from L.A. recently uh, the, the five-year engagement uh, starring Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like this is this has been. I this is this was a flop in the sort of uh, the the recent group of in Judd terms Apatow of money. In terms films. of money, it was a flop. Uh, but yeah, but it was it was critically well received. And I think that Jason Siegel sort of quietly became the most talented member of that group. Like in terms of what he's written, there's a lot of sweetness in what he writes, and. Um, he steers away from the problem that I know you have with a lot of the Judd Hapidot movies, which is the characters are unmotivated. So you're like, why should I care about these yeah, guys? Yeah, they're lazy slackers who are unlikable. Yeah. Whereas uh, Five Year Engagement is about two likable, motivated people who have their uh, likable love story slowly ruined by circumstances that are mostly external to them hmm. uh, but and need to figure out a way to combat that. And it's a good romantic comedy about real life, I feel like, adult concerns. And it has a strong supporting cast. It's got uh, Reese Fawn is in it. It's got uh, uh, Brian Posehn, Mindy Kaling, uh, Chris Stanley Parnell. Is Stanley the dog in it? What about Dr. Orangutan? 
Back to orangutans. I want to mention, by the way, we know that they're called orangutans. Yeah. His name, as Stuart corrected me earlier tonight, is Dr. Orangutan. So, David, stop typing that email. Do not type in an email. Don't explain Mm -hmm. to us how orangutans and the giants are related in some way. But, uh, yeah, that's my my recommendation. So, the five-year engagement. Uh, I part of me now wants to officially recommend Possession, just because it's a. If you're interested in a crazy movie, go see Possession. I am. You should see it. It is about a woman who leaves her husband and her lover for a tentacle monster. Uh, but anyway, but that's not the movie I came in tonight. Is that the meaning to recommend? One, is that the movie? This is gonna mark me as pervasoid number one. Is that the movie with Kate Beckinsale's one nude scene too? Is that no? The... She's not in that. That's a different movie with, ah, the, right. with the same title. I guess. Mr. Skin. <laughs> Harold Skin. <laughs> sure. Uh, the movie I wanted to recommend is one I actually just saw this weekend for the first time, although I've been wanting to see it for a while, uh, which is a movie called Culloden. Uh It's by Peter Watkin, who you may know as the director of the movie The War Game, which was a British documentary from the mid-60s about what would happen to England if a nuclear war took place. So not the hit. one about Joshua and Whopper. No, not about not, not war games, okay. but The War Game. Uh, this is an earlier documentary of his from a couple years earlier uh, but it uses a similar style. It's a, about the Battle of Culloden between the English army and the Highland clans in Scotland. This is the battle that ended the attempt by the pretender of the throne, Bonnie Prince Charlie, to retake Scotland for his family. It is the battle that the movie credits was basically destroying the clan culture of Highland Scotland, which is a very strange culture that is a lot more different from what we're used to than you'd think. Because you think of Scotland as just being, you know, a regular old <laughs> place. Uh, but it's shot in a documentary style as if there was a documentary team on the scene covering this battle, interviewing the people involved in it. And it sounds like it could be very hokey, but they do a fantastic job with it. And it comes off really bringing the battle to life and bringing these people to life and kind of the ordinary folks who fought in it and how their lives changed as a result. So it's really good. Sounds kind of like The Office. It's a like a non-funny, historically accurate, brutally bleak version of The Office. So, three recommendations down. Three solid recommendations. So, uh, I guess that all that's left is to say goodnight to our friends. Tuck them into bed. (laughs) Podcast Mm -hmm. Just read them a story called A Little Bit of Heaven. (laughs) The candle next to their bed has burned down to but a nub. Enough, yep. And you, the moon is clearly shining through the window. A slight breeze blows the curtains, and across the moors we can hear the howling of the wolf. A mouse peeks his head out of a hole. Also holding a tiny candle holder and, and wearing a nightcap. He adjusts his tiny glasses, then takes them off, sets them beside the matchbox, which is his bed, lies in, and pulls the covers tight around him, for he too hears the howling of the wolf. Made out of a discarded handkerchief. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a discarded handkerchief. And we creep back to our room, blowing you a kiss from the door. The stage is dim. Where are the players? And drop to our knees next to the bed and pray to God to keep these blessings safe from the wolf outside our door across the moors. Good night, everyone. Good night. Dan, that's a frothy looking beer you got there, buddy. Yeah, who poured that? This guy. Not the guy in the movie. That guy poured all head. Yeah, terrible. Like head of the family.
or head of the class. Yeah, I guess there was a lot of head and head of the class. Yeah. Well, every episode had at least one character give head to another character. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why it was uh, it was canceled after one episode and replaced with a show about a classroom. I thought it was mainly just Arvid. Yeah, just mainly Arvid giving people head. That was the reboot. Arvid. <laughs> it was a very Letterman moment. Just repeating the name Arvid. Arvid. Arvid.